The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning. Welcome to today's show. As you know, we're going to continue our April Explorer series. Today, our guest is National Geographic Explorer Daniel Raven Ellison. But first, I wanted to mention that we're doing a special webinar through the Nebo Company on Tuesday, May 21st, in honor of Mother's Day. This webinar is called The Secrets of Working Moms, Proven Strategies to Make Life Work Better, and it's the ultimate how-to session for women who are managing families and careers. We want to make it easier for you or a mom you care about to learn strategies that can really help. So feel free to check that out. You can give it as a gift to a special mom in your life or treat yourself. And if you um, want to go register for that, just go to nebocompany.com, visit the store, and if you register by May 10th, you'll receive a 10% discount using the code MOM. That's M-O-M. Again, visit that at nebocompany.com. So back to today's show. Um, as you know, this month we've been meeting National Geographic Society's emerging explorers and featuring their pioneering work in fields that have ranged from aviation to education. And if you thought that explorers lived only in the time of Amerigo Vespucci and Christopher Columbus, think again. Today I'm excited to introduce a real live 21st century explorer by the name of Daniel Raven Ellison. Daniel's a geography teacher, but not in the traditional sense. Far from asking his students to memorize borders and capitals, Daniel's approach, sometimes called guerrilla geography, is all about getting out into the world, exploring anything and everything, and getting kids excited about non-textbook geography. He devises creative exploration, such as walking across the largest cities on Earth, taking photographs every eight steps to reframe how we think of those places. We're going to talk about this. Uh, deeply committed to inspiring young people to get off the computer and explore their surroundings, Daniel co-founded Mission Explore to encourage children to embark on quirky and irreverent missions in their own neighborhoods that can really open their eyes. Daniel, thank you so much for being with me this morning. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm delighted that you are here, and I know that you're right now in West London, so we're um, we're talking across the Atlantic, which is uh, which is fun and its own geography lesson, I suppose, for some of our listeners. Um, I wanted to start off by giving you a chance to tell us a bit about you, Daniel. And you know, I know you used to be a more traditional kind of geography teacher in a classroom with maps, doing quizzes and things like that. And I'm curious, can you tell us more of your story, including what led you out of the classroom and onto the path you're on now? Well, I guess I was fortunate enough to be sort of born into a, an army family. Um, and actually, I spent some time um, in the East United States living with my parents as a very small boy. And I remember actually quite clearly, at least I think their memories, um, when I was between the ages of four and six, exploring a place called Fort Eustis and the Chesapeake Bay, 
um, and looking for everything from you know crayfish to snakes and having you know a great sense of freedom that even at that young age I was able to explore and go on adventures and 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 learn in that way um, and throughout my childhood um, I, I was lucky that my parents were able to give me the opportunity to see a number of parts of the world and I guess it's that and some of the experiences that I had during that time that, that really inspired me to become a geography educator. And so you were, I, I know that you were teaching geography and um, now you do this thing called guerrilla geography. What, what happened? Well, the thing is, I mean, I, I entered to become a geography teacher because the way I see it is there's an awful lot of social and environmental injustice in the world. And I went into geography teaching because I think that one of the most powerful ways to address those issues is through education and learning, and especially geography. Um, but the reality is that I think that a lot of people have an idea of what geography is that is very different to my idea of what geography is. And not only that, in, in many parts of the world, geography isn't even on the curriculum, or if it is on the curriculum, it's, it's sidelined. So guerrilla geography was really a, a response to that. I understand, and, and, and I, th I think it sounds, you know, I, I was reading actually about you in preparation for today, and, you know, I love the idea of, you know, daring people to challenge their preconceptions about places and to really think about the social and environmental justice aspect of geography. And I think the other piece of that was to form deeper and more active community connections. And I know that... Um, that you're passionate about getting kids out into the world. Uh, tell me why it's so important from your perspective for kids to explore as opposed to, you know, do, do things indoors or, you know, with technology the way that we see so much today. Um, well, ask in a moment about what I think geography is, because I think it's important to clarify, you know, the perspective I'm coming from. But, I, you know, I think there's a wealth of evidence now to show that, um, Children and families benefit from outdoor exploration, play, and learning. You know, it's a great benefit to young people's mental health. It's a benefit to their physical health. It helps them learn through real experiences. Um, I think there's a very, very close link between the idea of creativity and risk. And the word adventure, I think, links those two things very closely together as well. If we want children growing up to be able to be creative and confident in their professional life, whether that's within their community or within the economy, then they need to have, they need to have skills to understand how to assess and make judgments around risk if they're going to create the kind of changes that we would, we would like to see in the world. So if, in my view, children don't have the opportunities at a young age to be able to grapple with things like how to deal with a neighbour that they've smashed a, a football through the window, or um, how to deal with any other kinds of conflicts in their community, then um, perhaps it will be more difficult for them in the future to, 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 to sort of make the sort of decisions we'd like to see them make. Thank you. I, I think that's a really interesting equation that you've just put forward, this, the opportunities to experience creativity and, and risk, and I think curiosity is a piece of what you've been talking about, um, and, and to actually have experiences of risk. Um, you know, I, I, I'd love to return to that. Well, I mean, and, you know, to, to be perfectly clear on that, you know, curiosity did not kill the cat. 
curiosity <laughs> saved the cat um, and allowed that cat to survive all those nine lives. And so that's why we need to feed curiosity and we need to feed creativity and we need to leave our front doors open so that children can go out and play because all the things that we're afraid of out there, whether it's strangers or cars, whenever we take away one of those risks, we actually just replace it with another one. And, you know, whether it's Britain or the United States or Australia, it's far less of a problem for the European continent. You know, we replace risks with diabetes, obesity, mental health problems, depression. So I think that we need to rethink the way that we create opportunities for children to be curious. Yes. Well, you just introduced, you know, overcoming fear, you know, all the things we're afraid of, you said, and uh, getting out there, having them become known to us instead of perhaps, you know, staying indoors and, and not taking any any risks or having any real life experiences. So that brings up for me the word courage, you know, inviting children to be courageous. Um, and, and as I'm listening to you, Daniel, you sound so passionate when you talk about this, really vehement about this. Um, what's the difference, do you think, between the classroom experience that you used to have? And I'm not, I'm not assuming that that wasn't a very engaging and interactive experience, but how is that different than the kind of geography you're working with now? Well, the thing about classrooms is they have walls. And the thing about uh, British society currently and many societies around the world is that um, it's increasingly hard for parents to, sorry, for, for teachers and parents, for that matter, to take their children beyond those walls because of expectations around curriculum standards or worries about safety problems. Um, so with what I do now, through doing geography education, guerrilla geography, through children's books, through a website, by um, working with young people at festivals. We actually remove those walls, and not just the physical walls. I mean, for me, I've always been very sympathetic with those children looking outside the window. You know, a, a lot of subjects you can study inside the classroom, and um, books are just fine, pictures are just fine. But for geography, geography is about the world. It's about being in the world. And... You know, as, as well as feeling that we need to be outside the classroom, beyond the walls, beyond those boundaries, that we also need to create opportunities to think beyond the curriculum. You know, curriculum, cu- curriculums are, are developed not necessarily for learning but for education by education leaders who want children to understand or know certain things. And actually there are many things that I think are far more interesting for children to learn or more important. Um, and an example from this country is that our, um, Her Majesty's Inspectorate for Geography Education, who is in charge of geography education for um, high schools in the UK, recently said that we should have no more zombie case studies in school. And what he was talking about was those case studies that get taught for decades sometimes by teachers that are so old that they become boring. And to some extent I agree with that, but my answer to him was, is really, do you know what, we need zombie case studies because zombies, as in the living dead, are absolutely fascinating to young people. Young people are fascinated by morbidity and death and um, visceral things. And there's a, a distinct geography to the way in which zombies work, you know, how fast they can travel, where they might be found, why you can't see them during the daytime or they might only be around um, at certain times. And for a young person to actually go out into their local neighborhood and work out the psychogeography or the geography of their zombies is an interesting and engaging thing. And so that's an example 
a very guerrilla geography because it's an unexpected part of geography that people wouldn't necessarily think of necessarily teaching, yet all the same learning opportunities to develop skills and understanding are there. And, and it sounds so, I mean, it's very clear that what you're saying is children, children are, are curious and imaginative. Let's engage that and let's teach them and, and have them learn from the angle that they care about or that they're interested in. Totally. Um, and, and you know what? Like, I'm not in any way, um, that there's within the community of people who are very positive about, um, outdoor play and nature and getting children into nature there tends to also be this underlying sort of cynicism of or scepticism of technology. Um, and I, I no way subscribe to that. I think that we can merge technology with the outdoors together. And mm-hmm. an example of, of that for engaging my son and seeing some great work being done in the three schools is Minecraft. You know, and Minecraft is an online virtual world, but it's Lego for, this, for the next generation. Well, I'm glad you made that point, that it, these, these, it's not nature versus technology. It's actually finding innovative ways to, to, to put, you know, to have children have experiences of both that they really are learning from. And, and uh, you know, it's sort of a, the modern educational equation that offers all kinds of potential and possibilities that really is unprecedented right now. You know, I'm, I know we just have only a couple minutes before we take a break, but I would love to go back to the, the point you made earlier about ask me what is geography. So I'm going to ask you, what is geography? For me, geography is anything that happens somewhere. And so that means that geography can be an imagined place in a book. It can be um, a real place in the deepest forest. It can be as small as the home of a microscopic animal on your body or the place where you like to be tickled or that place on your bed where your cat likes to hang out during the day. Or um, It doesn't have to be giant continents, borders, international conflicts, enormous things that are inconceivable for even the best world leaders to understand despite the fact they may claim they have an understanding of them. It's about saying, do you know what? If you're eight then what's going on in your hand with that soil right now or what's going on immediately around you is far more accessible and engaging and relevant than maybe sometimes these you know, much bigger ideas. So I'm not saying those big things aren't important. All I'm saying is that when it comes to geography education and it comes to learning about the world, sometimes what's happening on our doorstep is just as relevant, if not more important, than what's going on much further away. And I think that's something that politicians are very aware of, you know, when... Local residents are more concerned about the local, their local geographies and local concerns than they are how our government is investing maybe in, in far more distant places. My guest this morning is Daniel Raven Ellison. He's an emerging explorer with National Geographic Society. He's a guerrilla geographer and we're learning what that means. I hope you'll come right back after the break. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hi, this is Kate Ebner, CEO and founder of the Nebo Company. Are you struggling to feel successful at work and at home? As a working mom who coaches professional women, I know these challenges firsthand. Join me for a webinar designed to help you or the special mom in your life to thrive at work and at home. You'll learn practical strategies for making your whole life work better 
and I'll share how to develop your second team, the secret to feeling on top of your career and your home life. Give this webinar as a gift for Mother's Day or treat yourself. Register now at NeboCompany.com. Use promo code MOM and save 10% when you register by May 10th. Sign up at NeboCompany.com. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. This is Kate Ebner, and today I'm speaking with geography educator and alternative explorer, Daniel Raven Ellison. We're talking about the extraordinary, interesting work that he's doing, really um, showing us some new things about geography and maybe uh, both both narrowing and broadening our understanding of, of this term. Um, Daniel, we were talking before the break about your definition of geography, which, you know, I must tell you, I really... I really love it, and I might myself have become a, a geographer if such a definition was known to me when I was growing uh, up. I mean, the thing is, right, that everybody loves geography. It's just they don't know that they love geography. So geography is all about places. So if you can think of a place that you love, then you're really interested in geography. So it might be your home. It might be a place to go on holiday. It might be the fact you want to create a really amazing place for like a, a musical or theater or production, or maybe you're designing a restaurant. And all these things are places. And so um, what I'm fascinated by is, is what the future may look like if more people start to think geographically when making these decisions. Mm, I like that question a lot. You know, it reminds me of, you know, the Nebo Company. Our name Nebo really refers to this, of course, a lake in the Adirondacks, but it also metaphorically speaks to a place within. You know, we're talking about helping people find inner peace, in, mm-hmm. the inner lake, if you will. So maybe you're right. Maybe I'm closer to geography than I realized. I wanted to ask you, you know, I've watched um, some of your Urban Earth films, and, you know, I they're amazing to to watch, but they really demonstrate this idea of guerrilla geography in action. Tell us about them. Tell us how you got the idea and what they stand for. Well, back in 2008, for the first time in the history of the planet, it was estimated that more people were living in urban than rural places for the first time in history. Um, I mean, that's been the case on islands like my island, Britain, for a good length of time now. 90% of people here live in cities. But as we get further and further through time, more and more people are being attracted and to cities and migrating to them. And they're swelling. And actually, these are phenomenally exciting places where some of the most stunning um, mashups of creativity and ingenuity are taking place. 
and in the face of climate change and, you know, unprecedented environmental pressures from our, you know, ballooning population, actually the answer to many of our problems will probably be in cities because they are so effective at, um, at being a habitat for people and for things like distributing food and, and healthcare services to us. And so in 2008, um, sort of thinking around this statistic, um, I was sort of thinking around some of the types of exploration I've been doing, which really involved exploring cities, taking photographs and videos to try and represent them to my students who, coming back to this point, I was finding it hard to get them out of the classroom as much as I wanted to. Um, so I would do things like walk across London, videoing north, east, south and west for 30 seconds and then creating like looping presentations so that children could go on a virtual trip uh, through London um, within, in, through video. And but it was it was doing those sort of straight lines, and also uh, I'm I'm interested in the way in which people explore cities in other ways other than straight lines. So, for example, you might go with a guidebook, like a Lonely Planet book or some other guidebook, and that might tell you where to go. Or there's people called uh, psychogeographers who are a kind of explorer who will intentionally subvert their explorations in the city to try and find and discover new things or think in new ways. And with each of those, they felt a bit too random for um, representing what cities were like then and now today. So what I wanted to do was come up with a methodology that would allow me to take a, a transect through a city to represent what it's like for the people who live there. So I decided to do a, a project in a series of walks called Urban Earth, which involved walking across an entire city, taking a photograph every eight steps so you can look through the photographs or you can watch what can be quite a challenging film to watch in some ways. Um, but the route is carefully designed using mapping so that the walk itself, the route itself, represents the distribution of deprivation within an urban area, but also the length of the walk represents the size of the urban footprint. Mm. And what I find amazing about doing these particular explorations and taking photographs consistently walking across Mumbai, Mexico City, London, Manchester at night, isn't so much what you see in the photography, but it's through the exploration what you, what you gain and what you lose. So, for example, I systematically always take your photograph to looking forwards when I do this particular type of walk. And that almost turns you into an emotional radar in which you realize what you are giving up. You realize what you're mourning, in the sense of what you're not photographing, what you're not recording. And that then, in turn, forces you as an explorer to reflect on, well, what is it about your upbringing and your cultural programming that means that you're attracted to some things more than others? And through these walks, what I tend to be photographing into is, is space directly in front of me, and the places and objects which tend to be the center of people's photography become marginalized to the edges of the photographs and quite often even lost, just as you would do as if you were driving through a city. But with these explorations, walking is really important because when you're walking, you're going slow, you're vulnerable, you can talk to people, you can smell. Going through Mumbai, the, the pollution at stages in my eyes from taking so many photographs was so bad that pus cuts started coming out of my eyes. Mm. You know, that... that there was one place where, where, and I love telling this story, we're walking through Mexico City and a friend of mine on, on the walk, um, a man called Etienne, 
got onto a slide to take a photograph um, of the few of us who are, who are doing the walk. And um, he put his hands onto the side and he got electrocuted mm. really quite badly. And he had that experience because we were walking. And what we discovered was that the town planners had decided to put an elect- uh, like a, a metal play park in the middle of a, a reservation area, either side of the only way you could get to it was by crossing like a highway effectively. So children wanting to play, they would have to cross the highway, come to the central reservation. They could then get onto this metal play area and going bang ahead were pylons. So you'd get a metal charge and you'd get electrocuted if you went on them. Wow. Which tells you a story about how children are thought of in that place and how town planners are thinking in that particular place. And you only discover that kind of story, that kind of thing happening if you are on a foot and you're living it and you're talking to people and you're sensing it yourselves. You know, that's um, that's a very powerful story. And, and certainly, you know, what's fascinating about watching your films is that you're right. You're really, you're really because you are, you know, using that discipline of, of photographing straight ahead. And so the typical things we would take pictures of are not the focus. It's really the path. And I think there's a sense of this onward path as you watch the films and, and also because I think, um, this is sort of, uh, I don't have the right language, but the, you've taken the pictures and then you've put them into this format where they're, they're happening in fast, rapid, you know, sequencing, stop but you motion. get the, yeah, the, yeah, you get, so you get the stop motion feeling, which also to me feels like walking, you know, it, it feels like each, each motion is a step of some kind. Um, you know, when making those films, they don't play too great on YouTube actually. Um, but when you, when you watch the films, um, especially on a big screen in like a cinema, um, you know, you begin to see things in in ways that you wouldn't normally see things. And I'll give an example of that. I mean, the thing is that you can you can play the photographs like a slideshow one at a time, and you can take in all the details. I actually like watching it at about 90 frames per second, so you're just zooming through the city really quickly. And what you notice in somewhere like Mexico City is how the colors go from like a white and yellow to about the halfway point, essentially mm. the poorer part in the east of the city. And then as soon as you, set, you cross those central squares, the city becomes green, um, mm. green and wet, um, where effectively there's, there's wealthier people. And you can, you can see that transition very clearly just within the color of the film, um, even without knowing anything else about that place. So when you people are watching the films, um, any advice about a great way to watch them? Just focus in. Actually, you know, I, I say on the front of the films that, um, that, you, that, that I, I haven't added music because I, I am quite a purist and I didn't want to change people's feeling about those places. But if, if you've got a tune that you like with a really fast beat, then I recommend that. And I, I really enjoy the fact that those films have been shown at places like Glastonbury Festival in the UK. So people are dancing at 3 o'clock in the morning and you know, watching themselves zoom through these cities, <laughs> which I think is far more engaging than a lot of other things you get at concerts as well. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I um, I, I think I have I've seen them someplace. Like I'm trying to think of where, but as I was watching watching one of them, I was thinking, you know, this is so familiar to me. I think I've seen this someplace. Um, well, I really recommend for those of you listening that you check these films out and really open yourself to this experience and to this um, this disciplined approach to creating a sense of, of place through these films. Where can people go, Daniel, to have that experience? Do you want to direct them to a website? Just go onto YouTube and search Urban Earth. 
um, and you'll find stuff, or you can search my name, Daniel Raven Ellison, and stuff will come up as well. Um, but what I'd say is that the, the, the thing about those kind of walks is that the mapping is quite technical, and one of the types of, of exploration I've been sort of developing more recently over the last couple of years is called an urban story walk. So an urban earth walk is very disciplined and systematic in the route that it takes. With an urban story walk, is saying, do you know what, we're going to take a violent walk or an unhealthy walk or a disruptive walk or an unhealthy walk. Did I say unhealthy walk already? You um, did, but that's okay. <laughs> but, but essentially this is about saying, right, we're going to look at some mapping of a city and we're only going to walk through that kind of area or we're going to go from the most to least deprived or most to least happy. And it's almost like when you look at a map with its contours and its shaded relief on it, you can imagine the height of, above sea level and the ridges and the valleys and the pyramidal peaks and all these shapes. All of us can imagine those on, on maps very clearly. But it's interesting to think about your city or your town or your village like that in terms of social or economic mapping. So take out a map and explore your local area or your city, um, but trying to keep to the ridges or the valleys or the mountaintops of a particular social or environmental factor that you're interested in. And um, when I was in D.C. not that long ago uh, at National Geographic, you know, we took a walk across a food desert and said, you know, this, this, this language, this idea of a social or environmental problem within an urban area people are quite familiar with through the idea of food deserts, an area of a city where it's hard to get hold of fresh you know, fruit, fruit or vegetables, any much healthy food. Um, but it can, be, it can be applied to whatever area you're interested in as well. You know, one thing I really am enjoying about our conversation and listening to you is how, how exciting it is to think about the adventures that are right in front of us yeah. versus take a vacation and go to the national park or go have, you know, some kind of an expensive experience that, um, that is sort of a, a vacation or a traditional, uh, you know, adventure. You're really? saying get right out there. You know, National Geographic recently, you know, with this being the 125th anniversary, were sort of throwing this, this question around about what's left to explore, which is, you know, it's a great question. But for me, it's actually a bit of a ridiculous question as well, because <laughs> the, sort of, the sort of premise that comes from is the historic view of exploration. Um, um, the sort of white, normally upper or middle class, wealthy, often a man, going off to invade a, a foreign territory, to break in the virginity of that foreign land. And once you've been to the deepest forest and the highest mountains, this idea that it's not worth going there again. Um, and, of course, what the modern view of the society is, is, do you know what? We, we live in an ever-changing world in which the science is constantly changing. And so, of course, there's always discoveries to be made. And so for National Geographic, of course, there is a world out there still to be discovered. But for children, you know, that case is even more so the case because... Everywhere that all of us go are places that we haven't been to before. Even if you have been somewhere before, by revisiting it, that place will have changed in one way or another. So whether you're a young person just visiting uh, your local park or a beach, or whether we're ourselves meeting a person in a restaurant for the first time, there are always new explorations to be had. But our idea of explorations don't need to be these far-off, exotic, challenging, difficult things. They can be far more familiar and local too. 
I love what you're saying, Daniel. When we come back from this break, I want to hear more about the work you're doing with um, with children especially. Uh, this is Kate Ebner. My guest today, Daniel Raven Ellison, is really opening our eyes about what's here to, to be explored right in front of us. We'll be right back. Which guests are being featured this week? Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Hi, this is Kate Ebner, CEO and founder of the Nebo Company. Are you struggling to feel successful at work and at home? As a working mom who coaches professional women, I know these challenges firsthand. Join me for a webinar designed to help you or the special mom in your life to thrive at work and at home. You'll learn practical strategies for making your whole life work better, and I'll share how to develop your second team, the secret to feeling on top of your career and your home life. Give this webinar as a gift for Mother's Day or treat yourself. Register now at NeboCompany.com. Use promo code MOM and save 10% when you register by May 10th. Sign up at NeboCompany.com. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Thank you for being with us today. My guest, Daniel Raven Ellison, and I are talking about Geography in a, in a very expansive sense. Um, Daniel, before the break, we were really talking about your amazing films, um, the Urban Earth series, which I hope people will find on YouTube and watch a few of them and share with your friends. I think you'll have a lot of fun just, you know, having this experience with somebody else. And I wanted to ask you, Daniel, if you could just tell us more about Mission Explore and what it is that you really are, um, engaging in with children right now. So Mission Explore is a, a project that a team of, I guess, radical geography teachers, but now artists, explorers, therapists, sort of came together, um, um, basically an effort to increase the number of children who can benefit from outdoor play, exploration, and learning. You know, we started off this interview and this discussion talking about you know, the, the great benefits that can be there if children have the opportunity to, to play in the woods. Simple as that. Never mind having any instruction or uh, any teacher there necessarily. Just playing in the woods can have enormous benefits to your, your mental health, your physical health, but also your, your learning um, about skills, for example, you know, dealing with um, risks. Um, 
thinking about sort of intercommunication skills with your friends, um, but also developing your knowledge of, of nature itself, where it may it be snakes or that you shouldn't be touching or worms or the type of tree that you shouldn't climb because of whatever reason. So there are lots of benefits from being outdoors, and I think that argument has been largely won within uh, the Western media. But despite that argument being won, far too many um, parents and teachers are unwilling to let their children play outdoors for a number of reasons. Um, in my particular case, I have a nine-year-old boy. Um, he can just about start going to the park now. He has to sort of walk down the bus street, cross over a road, across a zebra crossing to get to the park. But the problem that we've had for a number of years is, isn't that we're not willing for him to go to the park on his own. Um, we don't think that stranger danger is a significant enough statistical danger against the benefits. We don't think that the statistics around car risk for where we are in the world is enough of a problem for him not to go compared to the benefits. The problem is that there's so many other parents who don't let their children to go, which means that he would have no one to go with. So our mm. child has had to grow up for a couple of years of his life in West London, um, not being able to go to the park unsupervised. And I think it's actually those unsupervised adventures where um, he is now benefiting the most from going and making dens and climbing trees and going investigating ponds and all sorts of, you know, exciting and adventurous things that I think every child should have the opportunity to do. So Mission Explore really um, was saying, do you know what, let's take this thing that we think is awesome, geography. And going from where we were before, I think everyone thinks that geography is awesome because everyone loves places, everywhere loves visiting places or exploring places in one way or another and find a way to twist it make it a bit more um, exciting and we call this guerrilla geography um, and guerrilla geography is really all about sort of unexpected unusual ways of exploring the world um, um, mission explore started off as a series of children's books um, and sort of these books are passports to outdoor learning really because in, in the case of parents it's something you can give, give to a child as, as like a meaningful activity to do outdoors. For, from, from our point of view, hopefully they won't actually do the activities in the book. They'll get involved in some free play and take their own direction and be creative in their own right. But if children need some support, they've got it there as well. Um, but also support for, for parents. Sometimes as a parent, after a hard day at work, it can be tricky to think of things to do with your child that's creative outside of the normal organized sports and games. Um, so it can help in that way but crucially it's a passport in the sense that it gives permission that the books give permission to say do you know what sometimes it's okay to go up to a person you don't know yet that's what we give the name to for what many other people would call strangers mm -hmm. and say to them can I rename your dog that's a great challenge <laughs> can you rename someone's dog um, or um, other activities that maybe get children closer to nature things like investigating the murder of an animal or one of my favorite challenges in the books uh, that I often tell people is, you know, often within communities you get signs up saying there's a lost cat or there's a lost dog. I think that's a fantastic investigation for children at home or in a, in a, in a school to go and investigate, to try and work out where they might have gone. Um, but we can be sort of um, quite subversive or fun sometimes. So things like trying to uh, climb the height of Everest but on your staircase um, outside somewhere. Mm -hmm. Or... Um, to turn to turn to stone every time someone with a beard looks at you. Um, another one that I quite like that's a bit more political is to put OAPs in the hood. So ask some old people you know to hang out in hoodies on a street corner. How do people react to them? Ah. And 
And essentially that's a social justice issue around children, around the way that children, possibly because they have less democratic rights than, than many of us who are able to vote, have such a hard time when they might be at cold on a street corner because there's nowhere else to go. So we're saying, well, what about old people? Um, in the case of the United States, there may be sort of ethnic tensions that could be explored um, through exactly the same kind of activity. Um, so they're, they're starting points that are a learning, uh, sort of a learning opportunity. And we don't di dictate the knowledge that will be learned. We're just helping to create a permissive opportunity for creative learning through an experience um, outdoors. Um, and I could share many more activities uh, with you as well. Um, but that book then, uh, we developed further into uh, another book called Mission Explore Food. And Mission Explore Food is entirely free to download as an e-book on iBooks and, um, and the Kindle. And we'd really love for people not only to download it but share it because this book is not only about encouraging children and helping parents organize outdoor play, but we really saw that food was a massive issue as well. Um, so, for example, we were speaking to um, GPs, uh, so general practitioner doctors, about the issue of children not only knowing where food comes from, but also, you know, not having uh, decent diets for themselves, which in some poor communities it's a bit of an irony considering the fact that it's cheaper to grow your own food than buy it quite often. But issues like, for example, children being const constipated, especially poorer children being constipated. Um, so we developed a book which should address all sides of, of food, from growing, harvesting, cooking, eating, waste, and soil. And as well as having activities in there that, for example, challenge children to grow the coldest chili or to investigate um, where their meat comes from, you know, we also talk about poop because we think that poop's a really important part of food. And we ask children to keep food diaries, so poop diaries, for example, to photograph their food and photograph their poo to see how eating more vegetables has an impact on how they feel when they go to the loo. Um, but then we also look at issues of, of waste um, as well. So we look at food in a holistic way. It's not your typical children's cookbook that is, you know, all about making brownies and all those unhealthy oil-based foods that so many kids' books lean back on. Mm, no, it sounds like it's not that at all. And what fun for a school or a classroom to explore the ideas in this book together. That sounds like a really rich and, and um, eye-opening experience. Um, how do you propose adults participate in this? Is it just, you know, put everything in the hands of the kids and stand back? You know, like, what, what do you do? I think it just depends on your child. You know, when it comes to the, the overall debate about children not playing outdoors enough, too often even experts talk in generic terms. Now, I think this is a brilliant argument, again, for having decent geography education and thinking through geography here. At the end of my street, I live on a street that the houses here um, were built back in the 1900s. One end is a dead end. One end is a rat run for cars coming through. Um, if you live at the rat run end, it's a dangerous place for your children to play out. If you're at the other end of the street, it's a safe place for your children to play out. Depending on the disposition of your children, that might also have an impact on, on your children. Now, that's just me on one small street in London, let alone all the variances of every child within the country. So I think we, we need to have a far more nuanced conversation about the, the, the local geographies of you know, children's lived experiences and parents' lived experience when we talk about risk um, and playing out. Equally, that's the case for our books. So um, depending on the age of your child, 
you, you will be able to make a judgment about which activities are suitable and how you might engage with them. But what we love hearing about is the intergenerational nature of the activities. So grandparents playing with grandchildren through the, the activities and both getting um, a sense of enjoyment by, you know, walking a different way or um, um, trying to photograph most beautiful poo, going back to poop there, or making mm-hmm. buck hotels or whatever the activity might be. Um, but, you know, the, the, the books are one thing. Um, but we, we love technology, um, and so we managed to pull some funding together to uh, form a new business called Explorer HQ, of which I'm, I'm one of the creative directors. And essentially this business has created a website called Mission Explore, missionexplore.net, and it's a site where you can find um, hundreds of free activities to help um, you know, support outdoor play. And children who come to the site are able to um, find challenges and win badges for, for, for their efforts. And we work with the likes of the John Muir Award and um, National Geographic on creating these challenges. And I'm very excited to announce that the, the website that's there at the moment in the next sort of four weeks is going to be replaced. And from the 1st of June, we're going to be having something called a summer camp. So we're going to have 100 days, 100 days of summer of activities that are free for children to access, for parents to access, and then to go outside and report on how they're doing. Um, and just the, the shameless plug there is that the site is missionexplore.net forward slash summer camp. So that's missionexplore.net forward slash summer camp. And we hope to have lots of people participating in that. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it. And I think it, um, it's the kind of plug we love, you know, here on this show because it's connecting our listeners with a great resource and, and a chance to be really a part of something that is positive and exciting and a wonderful opportunity for kids to learn. So I really hope people will check that out and we'll also, um, maybe, maybe, uh, send a reminder in, a, in four weeks to go back and see your new site because it sounds like you're about to have a big drum roll. Yeah. And, um, we're going through some big changes because, uh, um, our, our background with the site has been very education focused so there's a lot of us assessing things in quite a qualitative way but we're moving now towards an approach which is far more about uh, taking photographs of doing activities and adventures which is going to be really exciting and really engaging for young people to do and far easier to work with us than, um, than, than they do now so we're very excited about that. Well, very good. You know, we're going to take our last break. Uh, Daniel, when we come back, I'm going to ask you to share your vision because after all, this is Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Hi, this is Kate Ebner, CEO and founder of the Nebo Company. Are you struggling to feel successful at work and at home? As a working mom who coaches professional women, I know these challenges firsthand. Join me for a webinar designed to help you or the special mom in your life to thrive at work and at home. You'll learn practical strategies for making your whole life work better, and I'll share how to develop your second team, the secret to feeling on top of your career and your home life. Give this webinar as a gift for Mother's Day or treat yourself. Register now at NeboCompany.com. Use promo code MOM and save 10% when you register by May 10th. Sign up at NeboCompany.com. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. 
With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. This is Kate. I'm speaking with Daniel Raven Ellison, and we're learning all about um, exploring you know, your own backyard and beyond, perhaps with new eyes after listening to this show. Um, Daniel, you know, here we are at the last segment of the hour. And, um, you know, as you know, our show is really about helping people to see that they are visionaries, that they actually can look to a future that they'd really like to be a part of and make it happen. And um, I love to have guests like you because I think you help us see possibilities that we may not have been thinking of. So I wanted to invite you to, um, I always say that, you know, your vision is a detailed description of a desired destination. You know, it's a, it's a place, I guess. It's a geography. It's a place in the future. It's a, it's a way of thinking and talking about a future that you really want. So I wanted to give you a chance on the show to share the vision that you're inspired by. You know, what's the future you're really working to create? So I find this question really challenging because um, being a geographer, I instantly start getting very mixed up in my brain around all the different scales at which I could answer this question. You know, is is this vision um, for me, my town, my city, the world? Um, mm-hmm. And I very quickly get to that world scale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a there's a band called Faithless. Have you ever heard of Faithless before? No, I haven't. The great band, if you like dance music, they're one of the best live dance acts I've ever seen. Um, and they have a line in one of their songs, Maxi Jazz has a line, which is, you don't need eyes to see, you need a vision. And I love that, the idea that, you know, we need to sort of take um, all of our knowledge and understanding of the world in order to try and make one that is more socially and environmentally just for, for all of us as best we can. Um, and the, the way that looks for me, um, in terms of my particular field of work specifically, is that all children have access to, to play and explore outdoors, and that all schools are required uh, to give children the right opportunities to benefit from playing and learning in nature. And I think that if we want to deal with big issues like climate change, like international conflict, then we need children and we need ourselves to be empathetic and understanding of each other. And I don't see us, and this is just my opinion rather than nothing with scientific basis, I don't see us having the right skill sets to deal with some of the big problems that we're faced with around the world if we haven't had 
um, the right experiences. So I think that having a world in the future where children are given the opportunities to experience problems, experience peril in a healthy way, experience the outdoors, experience conflict, so that as they move through life, they're better equipped to be able to deal with those problems. I think it's a better, um, will be a better world for all of us to be in, whatever that may look like. Wow. I love how you've linked experience with uh, capacity or skill or capability to cope with the problems of the present day and also the future, you know, and just really understanding that we prepare our children by giving them experiences or letting them have experiences, I well, suppose. There's, there's the sort of geographer and philosopher, Yifu Twan, said a number of things that I've always been inspired by. One is the idea that space is freedom and that place is security and that, you know, we strive for one and we, we, we long for the other in a way. And he also really talked about this idea of experience just by looking at sort of the origins of language in terms of saying that, you know, the, the ideas of experience and expertise and, er, exper, um, and um, experiments and expression all have that EXP in the front. Mm-hmm. I think the children need to explore, we, never mind children, all people, need to explore things physically or psychologically and experiment with them if they're to develop their expertise. I think that's a, a nice learning progression there. If you don't have the explorations, you don't have the experiences, then you can't develop your expertise. Mm, that's a great point. You know, it reminds me of, as a leadership coach, a question that we we sometimes remember to ask our uh, the leaders we're working with is, have you ever had an experience like this one before? And what inevitably happens is no matter how daunting the challenge or how complicated the situation, that leader can remember a time when he or she met a similar sort of challenge, a different context, different situation, but that prior experience is a source of confidence and perspective. And I, I really want to just uh, highlight what you're saying about allowing allowing your children to have experiences so that they have something to return to as they yeah, step I think forward. That, I think- I think the part of that as well is, you know, in terms of, you know, a vision for the future and about, for me to have my vision for the future and the things that I'm striving for, um, that thing that I've been talking about, about dealing with risk and it's linked to creativity, I think are just so important. What I am very comfortable with is failure. I'm, I'm very comfortable with the idea that some things don't work out. Um, I tried to run the London Marathon a week ago and my knee stopped working. And so I had to stop. Mm. And in that situation, I think a lot of people would find it very hard stopping. But actually, do you know what? For me, the right decision was to stop because I need my knee. It's quite important in my life and more important than finishing that particular run. And I think that a great example of that is like a fly fisherman or fishing people, rather. You know, so you might cast out that string 30, 40, 50, 100 times before you catch anything. And that's fine. Because what's important is that you've got the patience and perseverance for the time when the fish takes the bite, someone grabs the hook. If you don't risk failure, if you don't risk the peril, then you'll never move forward. 
Thank you for that. Thank you for the examples that you've just shared with us, Daniel. You know, I want to close the show by just returning to that first part of our conversation where we were talking about that uh, perspective you just returned to, you know, this idea that, you know, children need experience, they, they curiosity, uh, risk, you know, courage, imagination, that these are the kinds of things that we need to allow and encourage and create opportunity for. Um, and I'd love to just ask you and give you the last word here. You know, any advice to the people listening today? To help their children be more curious and more creative and to take more risks. I think that if you are a parent, then the answer is, depending on where you live, you just leave your door open. That nature actually, to a large extent, will look after itself. That we don't need to always give, I mean, what we do professionally is give activities to help the process, but you don't always need to give activities. Sometimes just giving freedom is the best way for learning to take place, just to create the conditions and the opportunity for children to ask questions and be available to answer those questions if, you know, if, 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 if that's needed, but to be brave enough to actually let children work things out for themselves. You know, I said I was giving you the last word, but I have one more thought, which is mm-hmm. I'm going to um, offer, which I, throughout the show, Daniel, as you've talked, I've had this mental image in my mind of my sister at the top of the highest tree and my mother standing on the ground saying, are you coming down for dinner? And my mm-hmm. sister saying, no. <laughs> but I love I loved to remember um, those experiences in my own life. And I, I want to say thank you very much for being with me today on the show. I, I think you've been inspiring and um, an exciting person to talk with this morning. Thank you. Thank you very much. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.